This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 128 of the Healthy Critters Radio on Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share the story of the Healthy Critters podcast origin. In Critter Nutrition, we share fun facts about horses, dogs, and food. And in Coffee Clatch, we discuss the pros and cons of letting your dog on the furniture. Listen in. Hi, I'm Tigger. And I'm Coach Jen. And Patty's not here. She's frozen <laughs> in Texas. She's frozen in Texas. That's right. Yes. Holy icicle apocalypse, people. Yes, no kidding. And uh, we hope she'll be able to defrost before the next podcast. Before the next podcast. And for those <laughs> listening to this podcast in 2024, not 2021 when it's made, just just look up Snowpocalypse Texas. 2021 and you'll know what the heck is going on colder in texas than it is in alaska that's just crazy it's just wrong it's wrong you're right it is it's wrong and since patty's not here i was tasked with coming up with something to chit chat about (laughs) because uh we didn't have patty to help out and and she's an important and she's an important contributor here to the conversations so i came up with this (laughs) and i went along with it and you went along with it Yes. Um, we're, we're taking our cue from Hollywood. One of Hollywood's favorite things to do da, da, is origin da, da, stories. Da. They have some successful movie or TV show, and they have to do the origin story, usually five years after it started. So I thought it would be appropriate since the Healthy Critters podcast did start five years ago. It started in 2015. Wow. No- November of 2015, to be precise. I kind of thought it would be interesting to find out the origin story. So, first of all, Tigger. Yes. What made you think that you wanted to do a podcast? Because I was on a podcast on Horse Radio Network. As a guest, that's right. You were an expert on some of our shows. Yes, and I was on once a month. That's right. I'm going to have to go dig those out. I can't even remember who it was, what her show was, Ah. but, um, yeah. So she would ask me a nutritional question and I would answer it. I bet you, I wonder if you were on stable scoop early on. It was just once a month. Yeah. I'll have to go look it up. Stay tuned folks. Okay. So that's really where it started. And then she, got some kind of job or something that she couldn't do it anymore Mm -hmm. and and it just it was just sort of it came to me i went wait a minute so she's not doing that show that means there's probably an opening for on a horse radio network for another podcast hello glenn (laughs) oh wow isn't that interesting yeah i said i've got an idea and so we talked, and first I wanted to call it All Creatures Great and Small. I said, that's too long. 
It's already taken, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Uh, well, I was thinking of sort of playing off the book. So then we came up with the idea of healthy critters. And and then, you know, he said, well, you have to come up with a format. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Didn't I didn't think it was this complicated. Form. No. <laughs> um, I, think, I thought we'd sort of chat for an hour and have a nice time. So I started thinking about, you know, I wanted to do some nutrition, but I didn't want it to be all nutrition, and I wanted it to be fun. And at this point, I had already known Hedwig, and I Hed- thought Hedwig I, for new listeners is the talking Pomeranian. Yes, and I thought, you know, how unique to have a talking dog um, on a podcast. Well, when I pitched it to Glenn, I thought he was going to have a coronary. <laughs> he was like, oh, I, I, you know, that's not, I don't think that's a good idea. I, you know, a talking Pomeranian. I went, oh yeah, it, it's great. And he was so skeptical and, and I understand his skepticism, but I sort of stuck to my guns on that because I knew it could be short and fun. And it, what I was going after, do you remember when we were teenagers back before the earth's crust cooled and you'd listen to am radio or fm radio and they they'd have like a, a shtick like a really popular uh radio station that played a lot of popular music yeah would kind of have a shtick in the morning yep with talking to a, a commuter that was made up mm-hmm. and that's where i was thinking of hedwig as just this sort of a personality that comes on for a very short period of time and says something, you know, funny and then leaves. Mm-hmm. So, so that in essence was how it's not a very exciting origin story. <laughs> no Hollywood film would want to make, would go, Hey, now this is a movie. Now, wait a minute. Hollywood made a movie about um, people who are digging holes in an Island looking for nothing. So they could make an epic, they could make a franchise out of this, I'm telling you. <laughs> so that's how, you, how did you, how did you and Patty get hooked up to do the podcast together? Because were you and Patty co-hosts to start out or did Patty come in a little bit later? No, Patty and I started right off. Mm-hmm. So, oh. She's not here to defend just... herself, so you can say anything you want. <laughs> I know, it's awesome. When Glenn and I started talking about it, he suggested a co-host. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good idea, so it wouldn't all be on my shoulders. As it turns out, it is all my shoulders anyway. <laughs> my how things have come around yeah, full circle. Have not changed. <laughs> Patty and I met each other in 1990 in Venice, Florida, at Foxley Farm, where we were both spending the winter with our horses. Really? Yep. And that's where we met. And she had just married Peter, her husband. So that's how long Patty and I go back. You guys go way back. Way back, 30 years. Wow, isn't that, I didn't know that part. Mm-hmm. So you guys have been past, fast, past, fast friends for a very long time. I've gone through her pregnancies. Yeah, raising <laughs> the kids. Yeah, raising the whole thing. Kids. Yes, ex- ex- exactly. And And we have the kind of friendship where... We may not speak or see each other or anything for months and months and months. And as soon as we see each other or pick up the phone, it's like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, just fall into like that, that 
very comfortable. And I wanted Patty because she's one of the funniest people I know. And I think for a, a podcast, it's great to have somebody that has an innate sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a little, I'm a drier side. I, I'm silly, but she's got a really quick wit, mm-hmm. which I lack. So it's a, and I have the gravitas that she lacks. So, <laughs> so we, we play off each other well and, and we know each other so well. Yeah. And she's a very good horsewoman. Yeah. And I, I love picking her brain when I, when I get to choose the, the round table topics, I love picking mm-hmm. y'all's brains. So when you started out this podcast, you probably had kind of an idea of how it was going to be and what it was going to be like and things like that. Not really. What are some of the things that have, have surprised you about being a podcaster? Um, that people listen. <laughs> People love this show. I listen. I love the show. <laughs> you do have you do have a lovely mix of information and fun. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I I am continually surprised when I get an email for a nutritional consult and I call the person on the phone and they say, "Oh, you know, I listen to Healthy Critters," and I'm like, "You do?" <laughs> <laughs> because I can't get it. I can't really get it through my head that um, people actually listen. Yeah. And, and a friend of mine from Canada, she's not a horse person, but she comes down here um, and for the winter and she has a dog. So I, the, I met her via the, the dog park and she loves healthy. And she t- always is telling me how much she enjoys listening to healthy critters. Um and she's not even a horse person. Mm-hmm. So that's really the, uh, the most rewarding part is is knowing that, you know, people like what we're creating. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's really rewarding. Well, there you go. See? And I think I think the the idea that people are listening to your podcast is very difficult because for a recorded podcast you don't get any feedback from your audience right it's after the fact so it can be a little bit weird so this is this is a a note be careful of what you're saying because people are listening (laughs) (laughs) if you although if you dwell on that too much it will get stuck it's very hard if you get too wrapped up you get inside your own head about people are listening to this after the fact Uh, i try not to dwell on that because then i clam up and i can't talk at all and that's bad (laughs) yeah i don't think about that i mean i I think about making sure that the content is is interesting and that it's a blend of information and fun that's very much on my mind but i don't have any expectations about what's going to happen when it goes out Mm -hmm. into the ethers but i got interviewed a couple of months ago and it was a podcast and because i'm so comfortable now in the medium mm-hmm. i just let loose I mean, <laughs> that and, the person doing the interviewing was going oh my gosh what have i gotten myself into <laughs> yeah they well they were kind of surprised that i was so funny and you know mm-hmm. I, I was 
raw in a raw way truthful mm-hmm. you know like i didn't try to hide anything mm-hmm. and i had several people who listened to that podcast tell me tigger i nearly fell off the floor laughing i couldn't believe i couldn't believe what you were saying i think i was talking about cannabis because we were somehow on the subject of cbd and you know yeah well, and that's, i just that's, had a riff yeah and that's part of your makeup in that you have a real propensity for just laying it on the line and telling it like it is pretty much, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that part of that, and I, I probably experience this as well. Part of that is, is aging. You know, I, I just turned 68 and as you age, you realize that a lot of the stuff that you used to care about really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter a fly and flip. <laughs> no. And when I think of how much time I spent worrying about stuff that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm probably wearing a lot of that on my face <laughs> and all the wrinkles. There you go. And that's, I think that's the gift of, you know, seeing your body deteriorate and gravity work against you is that you get this added benefit of, you know, I, I just don't give a fig about the stuff that I used to care about. Yeah, the uh, a, a sense of freedom. Yeah, huge. Yeah, huge. Interesting. And and experience. You know, I, you know, I, I, we have to hire you know people at BioStar, and it, it's so interesting to me that. I don't realize how much experience I have until I'm interviewing somebody who's 30 years old. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm going, oh, holy cow. Yeah. It's, and, and my ex, I've had to really reduce my expectations because there is no way they at age 30 is, are going to have the, 50 years of equine experience that I have and I can't expect them to have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's funny because before we started recording this evening, I'm going to let everybody, I'm going to pull back the fourth wall a little bit. (laughs) I was discussing with Tigger, Tigger, the idea of reposting episode number one of healthy critters Uh, radio, the very uh, first one you uh, guys did, which Glenn produced. I didn't. Yes. And poor Tigger about panic. She said, don't you dare. People <laughs> yeah, will leave really. in droves. Yeah. So this is my this is my call, everybody. Compromise, yeah. Everybody go to oh. Biostar US and look up episode number one of Healthy Critters. Or if you if you if you want to do it on, on the Horse Radio Network site, just go to Horse Radio Network and you're right there. You'll find Healthy Critters Radio and go back to episode one and listen in. And then let Tigger know how wonderful she was because she didn't have 30 years of experience yet. She was the 30 year old at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I was. And we, Patty and I were so bad at it that Glenn said he can't deal with this. And so we got Jennifer. (laughs) It was great because it ended up, he was absolutely right. It was a much better synergy with Jennifer. And, but we had so many, it, what would normally take an hour to record took us two hours. Oh, yeah. Because we we had so many technical problems. No idea. And, no idea. Oh, yeah. It was painful. And yeah. Glenn was so patient, but not for long, because I think after about the third or fourth episode, he was like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was always worried about that 
that we would not be invited to the to be part of the radiothon because I, I thought that Glenn thought we were just a bunch of bumbling fools over here and healthy critters. <laughs> well, the first few episodes were a little green. There was some Whoa. there was some crow hopping going on. Pop that shoulder out, you know, cross cantering behind. That was going on. Oh, oh, All yeah. of it. Yeah. Breaking in the extended trot. Yeah, it was happening. Yeah. Could not was... load on a horse trailer to save your life. No way. <laughs> <laughs> or stand for the farrier. Or nope. stand for the farrier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. So everybody go back and listen to the first few episodes no, 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 of, of Healthy no, Critters. No, You'll I'm enjoy saying it. do not listen to the You'll first episode. Go you let the, let's just go forward. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of going forwards, one of one of the things that's been on Healthy Critters Radio from the get go is Hedwig the Talking Pomeranian. So uh, why don't we give her a holler? Excellent. <laughs> Hello, how's it going? <laughs> Everything well for you? I hear Patty is, is dying of freezingness. <laughs> yes, poor Patty in Texas. It's quite poor a... Patty. I know, I know. We, we have... One of the things that we are discussing is um, how Patty and I got into podcasting vis-a-vis Healthy Critters, how Healthy Critters got a start. So... I was looking forward to hearing your reminiscences of your experiences as a podcast Pomeranian. Probably the world's only podcast Pomeranian, by the Correct. way. Correct. We think so, but we don't really know. I mean, we, we don't really know. There are a lot of podcasts. Yes. There could be true. many palms podcasting. Palm casting, as I like to call it, because it's really all about the palm. <laughs> about the palm. No one else. Just about the palm. Well, you know, my friend Tigger suggested that I proffer advice to those who needed help and answer questions. And I thought that was something for which I had great talent. So I said yes. And I have pretty much been doing that. I mean, I think some highlights of our time together include when I think it was Patty thought that I was named for Harry Potter. (laughs) No. And I had to educate her about the actual provenance of my name. And... um, Let's see other things. Oh, I've done some singing, you know, some singing. Yeah. Yes, have. I've, I've told some stories about my behavior, some of which were, I believe, taken out of proportion by some <laughs> members of the staff who thought that they should bring them up later and, you know, make it into a thing. But, I, you know, I mean, whatever works for you guys, I guess. For example, my Christmas story has been taken Many times about when I ate the, <laughs> the chocolate espresso, espresso chocolate. Yes. There have been a lot of stories to summarize about me looking a little foolish, but that's not really the point of this podcast, which is to have me help others. But then I realized that sometimes it's better to not be on a pedestal, you know, and to <laughs> yes, allow people to see your frailties so that they can understand your likes and, you yeah. know. Yes. <laughs> That's that's very poignant, and I just one thing I would like for you to enumerate quickly is the great tortilla heist. 
that occurred well, in your barn just a few days up. ago. I totally knew this was going to come up. So I have been framed for a crime that I did not commit. Oh, yes, you did. No, I mean, maybe, but my oh. lawyer will defend me to the death. So what actually happened? I think was I should tell the story because I'm going to tell it. You were not here. I, I know, but I heard it from your servant. But she dies. She's an unreliable narrator. <laughs> a, a groom that works the in the... I will tell the story. Oh, okay. An individual who works here brought his lunch. And in the lunch bag was a Tupperware and then a little packet of homemade tortillas. And he hung the bag a little bit too low for safety. And somehow... The servant was somewhere, and then the person who owned the lunch was walking a horse, and somehow the tortillas became scattered down the aisle, and two small Pomeranians were caught with tortillas in their mouths. And I was one of those Pomeranians, but that's no reason to blame me. No, of course not. And... Um, my servant was able to reconcile the issue. She just took a quick trip and purchased some new tortillas. She did not make them by hand, which she should have. That would have been appropriate because they were handmade tortillas. And she did not make them by hand. So really, she's at fault here. Okay, okay got it. Jennifer, I want you to imagine a center aisle barn strewn with tortillas and running Pomeranians and panic Pomeranians. We, I have, I only we have one, I only have one detail that I really need to know. Were they corn hmm? or flour tortillas? They were flour tortillas and we did not get into the Tupperware, which was our great dream. <laughs> we could not open it with our tiny paws and the thumb haver would not help. <laughs> I, I just, just the vision of tortillas, like leading the way, like Hansel and Gretel, the breadcrumbs. <laughs> And the the palms running after the tortillas, well, carrying the tortillas, running with the yes. tortillas in their mouth. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the tortillas would sort of overbalance us. <laughs> well, yes, they're rather large. Something, may I just say this, an Australian shepherd would never do. Just saying. No, well, he wouldn't trip over them, but he would totally steal them if I told him to. I, I don't think so. Ah, uh, uh, yes, oh, but there are, yes, alas... Would. There are no podcasting Aussies. No, they're not. Right. Well, thank you very much for for pulling back the curtain and giving us a little bit more insight into your wonderful, amazing Pomeranian podcaster's life. I'm here to help. And thanks for the great tortilla heist. The great tortilla heist of 2021. Available yep. on Audible in 2022. Yes. Yeah, you bet. Mm-hmm. Here we are at Critter Nutrition, and today it's fun facts about horses, dogs, and food. This is kind of information you could use to play a Jeopardy or Trivial Pursuit. (laughs) You know, facts that can come in quite handy, but that 
or are great conversation starters. There you go. Well, yeah, there you go. Great, yeah. great things to chat about with people you have nothing in common with. There you go. Or on blind dates. On blind dates. You know? Excellent. Yes. So, in the horse category, did you know veterinary surgeons were referred to as farriers in the 1600s and 1700s? It wasn't until 1796 when the British Army's Board of General Officers renamed them veterinary surgeons. Did not know. Interesting, eh? Yeah. A horse's teeth, the horse's teeth, takes up larger amount of space in their head than their brain. That I believe. Yeah. And they use, it, they use them more, too. Yes. Yes, they do. A horse's heart typically weighs between 4 kilograms and 4.5 kilograms and is about the size of a basketball. Think about that. Basketball. I would not have guessed basketball. No, I was thinking much smaller. Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. MSM, commonly found in many horse supplements, is made either by a reaction of sulfur and methane gas or with petroleum byproducts and paper mill waste. Ew. Yeah, how would you like that in your feed? Studies at the University of Gulf's Ontario Veterinary College show that intestinal microbiome of a horse consists of quadrillions of microbes. A quadrillion is larger than a trillion and is written with 15 zeros. 15? Yes. Wow. That's a quadrillion. Would not have guessed. I know. A British study in 2013 showed that horses feel calm and relaxed when listening to classical and country music. The same study discovered that jazz and rock music agitated horses. Well, it agitates me, too. <laughs> okay, everybody who's a rock fan, a jazz fan, send your hate mail to, yeah, yeah. to Patty. To, no, <laughs> to, to Jen. <laughs> Any noise over 21 decibels caused horses to become stressed. So to put this in perspective, whispering from five feet away is 20 decibels. Really? Mm-hmm. And any noise over 21 for a horse. So whispering from five feet is 20 decibels. A refrigerator is 50 decibels. Huh. Normal conversation and background music is 60 decibels. Who'd have thunk? Chainsaw, leaf blower, motorcycle clock in at 106 to 115 decibels. A riding lawnmower registers 90 decibels. Hmm. A tractor is about 92 decibels. A weed eater is 96 decibels. Make you rethink using that blower in the aisle way, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Okay, dogs. Did you know a dog's nose print is unique, much like a person's fingerprint? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt had a bull terrier named Pete who ripped a French ambassador's pants off at the White House. The French government formally complained about the incident. <laughs> he didn't just, didn't just rip the pants, he ripped the pants off. Off. <laughs> Obesity and cancer are the top two health issues in dogs in the U.S. It's a sad commentary. Yeah. The first commercial dog food was invented by James Spratt 
a lightning rod salesman from Ohio who came up with the idea while living in England and observing street dogs eating the non-perishable staple of common semen called hardtack. Spratt called his dog food the patented meat fibrine dog cake and began operations in the U.S. in 1870. His ingredients consisted of grains, beetroot, vegetables, and dried, unsalted, gelatinous parts of dried meat meal. Americans generally fed their dogs table scraps, and Spratt set about convincing Americans to feed their dogs his biscuits instead. Thus began the transition from humans sharing their food with their dogs to feeding, quote-unquote, dog food. Huh. Fun fact. Didn't know. Based on hardtack. Yep. There you go. Okay. In the food section, did you know? Spirulina contains 25 times more beta carotene than raw carrots. And explain what spirulina is. It's a blue-green algae. There you go. So spirulina, how much more? 25 times. But it doesn't look good on the, uh, for a nose on a snowman. <laughs> so we still need the carrot. Yeah. Don't give up your carrots. That's a good one. Sunflowers are native to South and North America. Sunflower plants have been used to extract toxins such as lead, arsenic, and uranium from contaminated soils. They were used to reduce contamination following the Chernobyl disaster and after Fukushima. I did not and see. I'm going to have to go down that rabbit hole. I'm curious about that. Yeah, I've got a uh, – actually, if you go to Biostar US and you go to our articles, we have a citation. That's interesting. So, I want to know yeah. how that works. Well, they probably like, you know, a lot of plants. They're they'll pull that into themselves. They'll attract the yeah, lead, yeah, yeah, and uranium. Interesting. Almonds. Can you guess how many pounds of almonds it takes to make a pint of almond oil? Almond oil. Mm-hmm. How almond. many pounds of almonds to make mm-hmm. a pint of almond oil? What is five pounds? One thousand. No. Yep. That doesn't sound right. A thousand pounds of almonds to make one pint of almond oil. Almonds are not very oily, are they? No, they're not. Huh. Wow. Fun facts for 10,000, please. (laughs) Okay. Flax. In the 8th century, King Charlemagne of France passed a law requiring his subjects to consume flax. It was a law. You had to eat it. Today, Canada is the largest producer and exporter of flaxseed in the world. But in the 8th century, Charlemagne said he required his subjects to consume flax. Is that because Charlemagne had a lot of flax plants and he needed to he needed to create I, a market? <laughs> I, I don't know. Huh. They considered it, you know, a really important food, or, or Charlemagne did. Charlemagne did anyway. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so this happens to be my favorite. So I think I'll put it at the end. Okay. How do you know how many varieties of bananas there are? One. I knew that. A thousand. No. There are over a thousand varieties of bananas all over the world, but the banana sold in most supermarkets 
is a genetic clone of the Cavendish variety. Since the Cavendish does not have seeds, it must be cloned by farmers to continue production. Yeah, banana banana trees. We learned this when we did uh, the behind-the-scenes tour at Walt Disney Animal Kingdom, I think it was, or maybe at Epcot, that the Cavendish, and around here they don't even call them a banana tree. They call it a Cavendish. They don't say, I have a banana tree. They say, I have a Cavendish. It makes bananas one time. Yep. And then it grows a baby out the bottom and and it sprouts up somewhere else. And that one will grow up and make a, make bananas one time. And then it goes down in the ground. So the banana trees that you see all a banana grove starts out you know, like you said, it's it's one tree. It's all they're all genetically identical because they're all actually one plant. Yeah. But what pops up out of the ground and makes bananas dies off and then that same plant creates a new one coming up out of the ground elsewhere. I think aspen trees have a similar habit. Oh, there's a famous aspen grove. It's like thousands and thousands of years. It's the oldest, I think, living one system. Of It started with an individual tree, and then it just spread, And but there, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, aspen oh. trees were fascinating. We did a, a tour. I we love aspen trees. And oh. the guide was telling us all about the aspen trees. And that was fascinating how, and they're studying them because if if one individual in the colony is damaged, others do things differently so that the damaged one is supported. It's really crazy. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. in the forest, um, trees will do that even with other species. Did not know that. Yes. Look at them. I mean, we can learn something from them. Big time. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Fun so, facts about food, huh? Yes. Did you know the Aztecs use coca beans and chia as currency? I didn't. Huh. I know they had cocoa beans, but I didn't know they used it as currency. Interesting. And chia. And chia. So, like, chia was small change and cocoa beans was... <laughs> yeah, with the dollars. Yeah, with the dollars. In ancient Egypt, workers could be paid in radishes, onions, and garlic. Hmm. During the Middle Ages, black pepper was an expensive spice and sometimes used by noblemen to pay their taxes. See, you hear about salt. Salt gets all the glory. You hear yep. about salt all the time. But what about pepper, doggone it? Yep. Huh. Well, it had to be imported. Yeah. Right? Carrots were originally purple or white. According to the National Carrot Museum in the UK. There's a carrot museum? That's the factoid right there. (laughs) That's the best part. Exactly. The orange carrots of today are the result of a genetic mutation in the late 16th century. You can find heirloom carrots every so often and they're totally fun. Yes. And they're white. Well, the ones I've come across, you get the the variety pack. They'll have the orange ones and yellow ones and purple ones and white ones and... You know, a whole bunch of different yeah, colors. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. It is said that the classic American macaroni and cheese returned with Thomas Jefferson to Virginia after his sojourn in Italy. However, Jefferson was most likely not the first to introduce macaroni, with or without cheese, to America, nor did he invent the recipe. He did, however, help to popularize it by serving it to dinner guests during his presidency. A recipe for macaroni in Jefferson's own hand survives. Really? Yes. Wow, because writing down recipes was not all that common 
back in the day. That's interesting. No. Huh. Yeah. High frequency sounds enhance the sweetness in food, while low frequencies bring out the bitterness. Examples of high frequency sounds are birds chirping, a child's squeal, women's voices, a whistle. Low frequency sounds are thunder, a bass drum, and a man's deep voice. And now for my favorite fun fact of the day. Drum roll, please. Do you know how chimichangas got their name? No. Chimichangas originated in Tucson, Arizona in the 1950s. The name chimichanga, meaning thingamajig, was coined by a cook who was trying not to curse in front of the kids. Really? So chimichanga doesn't really mean anything. It's just a made-up no, word. It's just a made-up word. I did not know that. Yep. And here all this time, I thought it had some important meaning in a, in a language I didn't understand. Exactly. It's thingamajig. It's thingamajig. Well, there you go. Fun facts about so food. That, fun facts about food and horses and dogs. There you go. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real food ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. All right, Healthy Critters Radio, Coffee Clatch, three, two, one. So here we are at Coffee Clatch, and our subject is the pros and cons of letting your dog on the bed and furniture. And Jennifer and I have very different um, opinions on this, <laughs> you could say. So, Jennifer, why do you not allow your dog on the bed or the, the furniture? I was scarred as a child. Really? <laughs> no. Growing up, we had German shepherds, and we usually had a number of them. And I used to hate it when the dog would get up on the bed, and it would just take up all the space. And they smelled bad, and they were dirty because they were farm dogs, and they stank. And so I vowed as an adult that I would not allow my dogs on the bed because I didn't want my bed to be, it's my bed, darn it. And I'm a very active sleeper. I toss and I turn and I throw the covers off and I put the covers back on. And There's just no room for a dog, in my opinion. Uh, so that's kind of how that part got started. Because we had big, hairy, noisy, farty, stinky dogs. <laughs> and I had to sleep with them as a kid. And I decided as an adult, I didn't have to anymore. Now, how about like the furniture? The furniture, that evolved. Uh, when Glenn and I first got together... as 
as a young adult, I didn't have any pets. I lived in a, I had a lifestyle that could not support a pet. But when Glenn and I first got together, of course, you're a young couple. What are you, what's the first thing you do? You get a dog, right? All right. So we had a little teeny tiny fuzzball irritating dog, which liked Glenn. <laughs> we'll leave the sentence stop there. Uh, and it, that dog was allowed on the furniture, but it was teensy uh, tiny. It, I think he weighed about 12 pounds, but that was because it liked Glenn. <laughs> okay, so the subsequent dogs, if they liked Glenn, they got to be on the furniture. If they well, didn't like Glenn, they didn't get to be on the well, furniture. Well, after that, the next the, the next dog we got into our lives was a another rescue dog. The first one was too, but this this dog was was almost feral in that she wouldn't even come into the house, much less get on the furniture. But as a senior. She decided that it would be cool to come into the house after all, and she never made any attempt to get under the furniture. So it was not wow. an issue. It was not an issue. She never tried to get on the furniture. She was perfectly happy to just lay on the floor. And when we got our first greyhound, greyhounds are very large. Even if they only weigh sixty or seventy pounds, they take up the space of an hundred and fifty. They have long dog. legs. They have long legs and very sharp claws. So we decided we just didn't want to share that much. So, and they're, for the most part, racing greyhounds, ex-racing greyhounds, uh, for the most part, are crate trained in that they love their crate. That's their house. They don't want us sitting on their furniture. So when we got our first one, we wanted to honor that because that was her happy place. It's like, we're not going to get in your crate. You're not going to get on our couch. And it worked out really well. And we've kind of stuck that with it. That being said... Our latest greyhound, the now infamous Pickles, is, I keep wanting to call her Giggles. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Pickles is working her way onto the furniture one inch at a time. <laughs> we were out camping. We take her along when we go camping in our little teeny tiny camper. And because she has terrible separation anxiety, she does not get left in the camper alone because there will be disaster. But she's gotten to the point now that we can leave her in the camper alone if we're sitting outside the camper. She can just look out the, the screen door and see us. Well, we did that one one time last time we were out camping. It was real quiet in there. So, of course, I got suspicious. And I peeked in there. And it had only been 90 seconds since we closed the door. And there she was, happily per- perched on the couch, looking very, very pleased with herself. <laughs> I love her. Yes. So uh, I suspect at some time in the near future, there will be a dog sitting on our living room furniture. Uh, and how will you deal with that? Oh, let her be. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> okay. She has, she has, she's had a tough time adjusting to being a pet. It's been a, it's been a rocky road for her. So something as trivial as sitting on the furniture, we're not going to make an issue of it. Okay. Now she's not tearing up the furniture. She's not peeing on the furniture. I'm okay with sitting on it. <laughs> Take your yes. pick your battles, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and now, see you. I I just have this vision because how many dogs live with you? Eight. Eight dogs. And how many of those eight dogs has short hair? None. So. How do you deal with that? I have Peter. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have um do you just 
you like put covers on the furniture yeah. or yeah, just put covers um, on. Uh, well, not not fancy covers. We, we just use a lot of sheets. Our that's what our covers are. We get whenever somebody's having a white sale, we exactly. just go in oh. and buy all the all the super super duper cheap you got sheet sets we can find. Cheap. Yeah. Yep. Peter also likes to go to estate sales, so oh, you know he can do. get sheets for a buck. Yeah, good deal. And so we we throw it over a chair or, or a, you know and the couch, and I use it you know daily on my bed, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much <laughs> how we deal with it. So when a new dog comes into the family. Mm-hmm. Do the other dogs immediately teach new dog how to get up on the furniture? No. No. Well, not actively. But new dog generally, well, if it, generally they're puppies. So I pick them up and put them on the couch with me. Oh, look at what, you being, being a... <laughs> well, what I found... Facilitator. Um, is that, you know, puppies won't pee where they sleep. Right. Most of the time, unless the they're time. desperate. So I raise all my puppies on my bed. They yeah. sleep on there at night. And they, you know, are on the couch with me during the day or on the floor if they want to be. But if they want to get up, I pick them up and we have some cuddle time and they, you know, turn into a ball and sleep. And so the furniture is their happy place. Now... I I have a very funny dog named Keen. Keen is a little, you know, a year and a half. And ever since he was a puppy, he really wanted to be an interior decorator. Well, and not in a dis- destructo way. So here we are in Florida now, and he likes to move the pillows from the couch. And he very delicately take, puts them on the floor so that he has various areas where he can lie on the pillows on the floor. Oh, my gosh. He moves the furniture to where he wants it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, that's, that is funny that he, he moves them around. Yes, he moves them around. And he never rips anything up. Be um, careful what you say. And now he's sort of, I mean, you know, he's a year and a half. If he was going to rip something up, he'd be, you know, six months old. I, I don't have that problem with Aussies. None of my Aussies has ever ripped anything. They'll carry my underwear around, but uh, they don't, you know, eat it or destroy it. So they're, they're just not of that, you know, mind, I guess. So I'm, you know, I, 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 I have been in houses where people don't let their dogs on the furniture, and I totally respect that. But for me, one of the, the one of the great parts of of sharing your life with your dog is, you know, when when the, the dog reads you and knows you and goes, Oh, I, I think you need some dog love right now. Yeah. And yeah. Up and the cuddle part is nice. It's so nice. The cuddle part is nice. It's, what it's we so what we do is we sit on the floor with the dog. So we cuddle the dog versus the dog cuddling us. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Pick, Pickles is still kind of getting used to that. You can tell she's going, mm, not sure. I'm not sure. Oh, wow. Is this okay? Because she, she's just so shy. She's always worried she's doing something wrong, which is a very typical oh. greyhound point of view. But she she's kind of warming up to it. But you're right, the whole cuddle thing. So when she 
her current cuddle method when she wants to cuddle is she just comes up to our couch. We have a piece of furniture in our kitchen, in our living room. It's a double recliner. That's all there is. The rest of the, the rest of the living room is taken up by my office. And she comes up and she pushes against it, pushes against the, your knees on the base of the chair with her chest. And then she buries her face in the crook of whatever joint is closest. And then she pushes harder and pushes harder and pushes harder and pushes harder until her front feet kind of give way (laughs) and she flops onto her chin. (laughs) And then she gets, then she gets confused and goes, Oh my God, what just happened? My feet got out from under me. (laughs) Yeah. I also find it very advantageous in cold weather to have two or three Aussies in bed and and one Wookiee who's the smallest of the group. She is like the world's best warmer and and she'll plant herself actually where I sleep and then I tell her to move over and she just looks at me like you talking to me. (laughs) yeah no so I have to physically push her I get into bed and then she just wraps herself up in my arm under my arm and suddenly the bed is like warm it's like I already have a heating blanket on that's why dogs were domesticated yeah dogs were domesticated in a cold climate not in Florida for sure for (laughs) sure but in the summer even if they start on the bed they're not there very long it's too hot they want the floor they want to be on the floor so I, I wash more sheets in the winter than I do in the summer. And, and of course, <laughs> there's the inevitable when a dog will, you know, because with, with lots of them, they'll come into the mudroom. And if Peter's by himself, he's, he's not so great at, like, you know, putting them all on a stay. And, well, he towels them off, you know, when it's really muddy and gross. And he'll forget to close the door and, you know, a couple run in and make a beeline for the couch. Oh, no. Flying leap mud and all. Yeah. Yeah. Mud. Yeah. There you go. And they just look at you like, what? (laughs) Get off. Get off. Get off. Get off. Get off. Now, whenever you clean your pups off when they come into the house, this is completely off topic and it got me thinking. And you clean their paws. How do you pick up their front paws? Do you pick them up like you do a horse? Yes. Okay. And this is something that all of our dogs have. uh, Well, the little teeny tiny dog, because he wouldn't let me pick up his paws. But when you pick up a horse's foot, you face the back. And you put your hand on their leg. And whatever signal you happen to use, their foot comes up. And their foot, the knee bends. And the foot makes an arc towards the hindquarters. Yes. Okay. Whenever I pick up a dog's paw, it doesn't do that. Their leg has to go forward first. Yeah. And it's the weirdest thing because I have to get used to doing that because when I go to pick our feet up, I'm going, won't pick your feet up. It's like, well, (laughs) it can't go that way, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's very strange for me. I, I guess I really have to think about how to pick a dog's paw up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I start with the upper leg, and then I work the towel down, and then we pick up the paw and do the actual pad. Do your pup's knuckles crack? No. Pickles has Oh, that would drive me crazy. Pickles has the crackliest paws ever, because you have to get between them, you know, because of the sand here. Oh, yeah, they have very different 
feet too than an Aussie. Yeah, they're all toes. They have very long toes. They yeah. they, they like a, to- a long toe on a, a racing hound because they're good for gripping when going really really fast. So what do you, so do you have to trim them like every couple of weeks? Um, no, we don't trim them that. I'm, a lot of dogs who have regular nail care, there is a significant gap between the toenail and the floor. For the greyhounds, at least in my experience, you can pit, fit two sheets of paper between the nail and the floor because that's where the cuticle is. Ah. Uh... Now, you, you, you trim them off because, A, they're noisy, um, but they, they have really long toes and really long toenails, uh, and that's genetic. They're built that way. Right. Um, but she's the first one I've ever had whose knuckles crack whenever you clean her, clean the sand out from between her little paws. It's really easy to clean her off, too, because she's got practically no hair. So, luckily, it doesn't take too long. <laughs> so, are, are greyhound shedders, like a, a lab is a shedder, all the time, short little hairs. No, for the okay. most for the most part, they do not have an undercoat. Uh, very little shedding. Now, twice a year, you'll lose a little bit of hair, but compared to most dogs, I would I would say we had a Dalmatian once, and even less hair than a Dalmatian. As far as shedding is concerned, yeah. Huh. And and some of them have even less hair, like Pickles. Her whole underside is pretty much peach fuzz. Wow. There's not really hair there. A lot of them, their bums are kind of naked. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go, oh, it's because they're abused and they have nothing to sleep on. Nope, it's genetic. <laughs> the hair huh. of its own accord, the hair follicles will die off. Wow. And then sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. It's it's a type of alopecia. I was reading a fascinating article on that huh. a while ago. And that's a nice that's one of the pluses of having a greyhound who wants to sit on your furniture is you have very little shedding going on. Yeah, but you do have the nails to deal with. You do have the nails to deal with and they're pokey dogs. They're not soft and squishy. They're pokey. Yeah, they're bony. Yes, very bony dogs. As they should be. A healthy greyhound is bony. Yeah, I like squishy dogs. Yeah, with a squishy, lots of hair. Yeah, a squishy, a squishy dog with 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 significant hair is, I think, best on the bed. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Now, I I have to tell you that when I was growing up, a dog was not allowed on the bed. It was not allowed on the furniture. It, you know, there the dogs there were, were rules. like, oh yeah, rules and kennels and. And so when I said to myself, when I'm older, dogs are going to be able to be on my bed, on the furniture, anywhere I want them to be. Oh, you were funny. just the opposite. That's so funny. That's funny. Yeah. Well, there well, you go. You can't. It's not bad or wrong if you don't allow your dogs on the furniture. And it's certainly not bad and wrong if you do. There you go. It's whatever. It's whatever works for your family. You got it. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio.
Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 